Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Our text for our sermon is James chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. In fact, whoever keeps the whole law but stumbles in one point has become guilty of breaking all of it. For the one who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law of freedom. For there will be judgment without mercy on the one who has not shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. This is the word of our Lord. Verse 12 mentions the law of freedom. What is that? It's not like Braveheart in the movie crying out freedom or the American idea of freedom. It's something that's very spiritual. See, in our natural condition, we are slaves to sin, death, and the devil, and we can only do his will. God recognized this. God became a man. God lived a life perfectly for us. We couldn't live our lives perfectly according to his holy law. And then he washed away our sins. And so now we are free from the obligation of the law. When the Holy Spirit enters your heart and creates faith, you are now a child of God. You are royalty. All of heaven and earth is going to be yours. But there's where the true freedom lies because we no longer are obligated. You better love God and you better love your neighbor or you're going to hell. We have absolute freedom. And this is the kind of freedom, this is the kind of mercy that led Christ in our gospel lesson in Mark chapter 8. Before, months before, to tell the disciples, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over by the, and betrayed by the chief priests, the elders, etc. And then when they actually plotted his murder sometime later, he went through it and even prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He stayed on that cross so he could give you and I freedom. We no longer have to love God or we're in trouble. He's put a new person in us. We're now free to love God and free to love our neighbor. And so, like the apostles and the evangelists and the Christians who, rather than deny their Lord, uh, and, and many times actually saw the opportunity to proclaim, for example, to the Romans in the Colosseum who had come to see their brutal murder, yet they saw the opportunity in their freedom to proclaim Christ. And so we have a supernatural mercy that begins with God that's been put in our new man. And we're not obligated to that mercy. We're freed in that mercy. So today, we're going to ask that question. Do we have that same kind of supernatural mercy when it comes to dealing with each other in COVID-19 as it's exploded again? Our sermon theme for today is the question... Does mercy or our own selfish desires triumph among us as we deal with COVID-19? Now, let's put our text in its context. Many cults and many, sadly, Christians would enslave you by making, you, by making your salvation depend on your keeping the law. That's not the freedom. And, and they quote James. They say, James says you have to do works to be saved. And that's not what James says at all. In fact, James says you can tell your faith by works. A faith without works is dead. As Jesus says in John 15, connected to him, we do good works. But apart from him, we cannot because we don't have the forgiveness of sins. We don't have that new person connected to Christ. And so it's connected to Christ that good works flow out of us. In other words, if you're saved, you will do good works because if you're saved, you're connected to Christ. And as Jesus says in the Gospels, He'll even point to our good works as evidence of our faith. I was hungry and thirsty, and you fed me. You sheltered me. So, 
James is saying a faith without works is dead. At fruits of faith, that's good works, is evidence of that. And in the verses just prior to this, he uses an example. If a rich person comes into our church decked out with rings and everything, and we all start kowtowing to him, yeah, let's get that good offering out of him. You get the best seat, and you get the fresh draw of the coffee pot, because, you know, let's admit it, those offerings will help us pay for the air conditioning and things, and the heating and things like that. But he shows the favoritism that not shown to the poor person that, that if you were to favor the poor or the rich, that you would be sinning against God. And one of the first things we want to cover is when it comes to COVID, right now, we can get pretty concerned. Unless you're vaccinated, we don't want anything to do with you. Or if you are vaccinated, then you're not trying. We don't want anything to do with you. Maybe we could be tempted to show favoritism to people. If we wanted to get vaccinated or not vaccinated, well, then you get the first pot of the draw of the coffee pot or you get to sit in the front pew. Or if you're Lutheran, you get to sit in the very back pew, right? But that would be showing favoritism. When, and, and the sad thing is, is this is the difficult thing, is what's right for one Christian and, and one person when it comes to COVID might not be right for the next person. A good example, although it's, it's a different example, was when in the early days of Christianity, when your Jews were converted, the last thing to be converted on them was their stomach. When the Gentiles were converted, the Jewish people understood that the best butchers in town often were connected to the, those pagan idols. And so a Gentile would say, you've offered me T-bone steaks out of an animal whose entrails were used for soothsaying? I used to worship that God that you guys were using that for. So they looked out for each other. The, the Jews didn't insist, that's it, you can never eat pork just because of my stomach. And the Gentiles didn't say, that's it, you can't eat T-bone steaks because of, the, because of the butcher shop that came out of. The Christian church never enforced one rule over the other. And we could easily, with COVID, want to turn around and maybe even justifiably say, if you love me, then you will get vaccinated. If you don't love me, then, you are, then, then you'll get vaccinated. If you do love me, you'll, you won't get vaccinated, etc., but whenever we start demanding one even biblical law to trump another, and whenever we would rob a Christian of the mercy and love of Christ in our congregation and in our fellowship, then we're guilty of violating that law of freedom that is mentioned in today's text in verse 12. However, we can start enforcing rules at the expense of our freedom and forgiveness that we have in Christ. And then we've just elevated the law of God above the salvation Christ's cross and resurrection has purchased and won for us. If our salvation depends on our keeping just one little law, then we have a problem. As verse 10 states, in fact, whoever keeps the whole law but stumbles in one point has become guilty of breaking all of it. For the one who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. The Greek word used here that we translate as uh, whoever watches over is literally one of guarding by keeping. Not, I'm going to put these in a safe and forget about them where they're locked away. They're right before my eyes all the time, keeping them. And then, oh, I, I just trembled. I stumbled. I didn't even fall down, but I just stumbled. You've just broke the whole law. This especially comes true as, as James is pointing out that it's God who gave us the law. God tells us what holiness is. God is holy. And because each commandment flows into the next, if you break even the commandment thou shalt not covet, insert whatever you're coveting, 
you are actually breaking the first commandment. What is more, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us, if you think the thought, you're already unholy, you've broke the Ten Commandments. What is more, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, if you're angry at your brother, you have murdered him in your heart. So if we're going to start passing laws, unless you get shot or unless you don't get the vaccine, then you're good, then you're, you can't sit in this place in our congregation or whatever. Guess what? We might start making people think their salvation depends on that. And if we're saved by the law, we're in trouble because we can't keep it. Now, before I continue applying this, especially when COVID first hit the United States, we really had, in ignorance, we were really dealing with the fog of war. And I would argue we still have some fog. They call it the fog of war because when you can't see, allies start accidentally shooting allies. There was a lot of ignorance when COVID first hit, and there still is a lot of ignorance. So we want to be careful about making rules for our church that maybe we're going to find out was the wrong rule in the first place. But let's go over some rules that some churches have passed in the past. And again, we excuse them a little bit. This is the fog of war. There was a lot of ignorance. If you're wearing a mask, then you don't trust in Jesus. The thinking there goes, if it's God's will, you'll die of COVID. And if it's not, he's going to use it for your good. And, and, and there's, there's a principle there that's somewhat true, but God does also make us stewards. And if you love your neighbor, you don't want your spit if you're coughing going to them. So you, one could argue the other way. And here's another rule. If you don't wear a mask, then you don't love Jesus. Then you're allowing your stuff to get caught. So sadly, when these things happen... Are we being like those Christians in the early days who the Jewish Christians looking out for the Gentiles, not seeking the middle uh, between what the Gentiles thought and the Jews thought for the sake of seeking the middle, but actually looking out for each individual person and their needs? What about the person who has a tender conscience? I think everybody should get the vaccine because it's going to help slow this. What about the person who, and they may be informed properly, they may be misinformed. I'm concerned about getting the vaccine because maybe this is going to make me sick 10 years from now. Let's look out for each other. What about the person, if we're going to make rules about wearing masks, what about the person who has a respiratory problem? And I can't worship Jesus if I'm laboring for breath wearing two masks or, or etc. And so the point here is we look out for each other, showing love and mercy in our Christian freedom. However, that's the opposite of our sinful nature. See, your new man is free, and he's free. He's no longer under obligation, so now he's free to love his neighbor and look out for our neighbor. But our sinful nature, he's really good at judging others for not doing what we want. If you're pro-vaccine or or, or anti-vaccine, pro-mask or anti-mask, you could turn around and be screaming, this is my way, and you'd better listen to it. However, hear again those words of verse 12. So speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law of freedom. Our sinful nature will happily enslave others to our principles and to our comfort. But are we like when the plague hit Wittenberg, Luther was willing to stay behind and expose himself to it in love, in his Christian freedom to show mercy to those who had been infected by it? Now, there's a major problem with our sinful nature. He's a little dictator. He wants his way. And remember, he's a slave to the devil. So those who do not have the fruit of mercy that comes from being connected to Christ 
will regularly grow an ugly, putrid fruit of the sinful nature, and that is picking out or even making up laws, rules, and regulations and insisting on them in ways that trump the mercy and love of Christ. Every one of us has a sinful nature that has, in one way or the other, a tendency to do it because we can't see beyond our own noses in our sinful nature. Some of us might fight it more. Some of us might have to really fight it because it's a very powerful dictator-type person. But verse 13 clearly damns that little dictator in ourselves. The same dictator that will actually show favoritism to people who empower it and give, oh, you aren't wearing a mask like me. You can sit next to me. Oh, you are wearing a mask like me. You didn't say you're against it. You're just, but I'm going to see you as on my side. But listen to verse 13. For there will be judgment without mercy on the one who has not shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Christ's mercy triumphed over the judgment of those who had plotted his own crucifixion. And you and I, who in our natural state were enemies, he went to that cross and stayed on that cross for you and I. And that supernatural mercy will triumph over our judging others. Say, how can I help this person? Maybe they just need to understand and I'll be patient. Maybe they just need my patience and love. Hear the hammer blows of the, of the law again when we want to start enforcing laws that will impact people's faith, will impact people's worship lives, when we want to start enforcing worship laws on others. For there will be judgment without mercy on the one who has not shown mercy. But what about the Christian who got caught up in the fog of war? What about the Christian who knows, ah, I didn't show mercy and I caught myself? Or, yeah, I know I need to show mercy, but what I'm hearing in the news is panicking me. Come to the word of God. Hear about that freedom. That's the gospel, the good news of salvation in Christ. Hear the good news of forgiveness and empower your new man who is nourished by that law of freedom, by the good news of forgiveness, so that he can fight against that sinful nature and tell him, no, I will show mercy. No, Christ's mercy, it helps with that sinful nature that wants to panic, that wants to dictate. It forgives. So, how has our congregation done? As we ask that question, does mercy or our own selfish desires triumph among us as we deal with COVID-19? I've actually been impressed. During the time that our congregation decided to shut down, and, and I do think that was an act of love. Uh, if the government said, now you have to stay shut down for a year, we probably would have started at least meeting in secret again. But a couple of weeks, actually, during that time, when they were hooking up people who COVID was really knocking to their knees, the, the regular settings on respirators was killing them. They were able to find, sadly through trial and error, we need to change the settings. And when America shut down for a while, they were showing love to the many thousands who have been saved because our hospitals were not over flooded and were given the time to figure that out. And during that shutdown, a lot of red tape and unnecessary work that's secondary, that is not directly preaching and teaching the word of God went away so that I could heal our brothers and sisters in Christ in Buffalo. And they have different circumstances. They've done a very good job of looking out for each other. But I, I, I really am impressed with how our congregation here in Casper and how the council worked. 
People often don't see in love and mercy the countless hours. Every week the count sometimes, the council meeting. What are we going to do here? How do we do that? And even going over and, and working on the exact wording of some very lengthy emails because we have members who easily get confused and could misunderstand them. And when it was the restrictions were lifted and congregations could meet again, we didn't know then, but what we're still taught, you can catch it off contact surfaces. I was very impressed when a member of the council did a lot of thought and said, I, I know how we can meet. Right now, not everybody's going to feel comfortable coming to church, and we recorded our sermons so that they could still be edified and, and fed by that law of freedom, by the good news of salvation in Christ said, let's remove these cushiony chairs and let's put in metal chairs that will be easily wiped down and we'll social distance them out. A lot of people felt more comfortable. We worked hard to not to find the middle road for the sake of the middle, but to, but to work with all sides, those who desperately needed to come together and hear a human voice and feel human touch again and see their brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and we worked desperately hard to work with those who were very concerned and were staying away in that. Those who get the vaccine have reasons to do so. Those who don't get the vaccine have reasons to do so. Those who wear the mask can be doing so in sinful ways, and they can be doing so out of Christian love. Those who don't wear a mask can be doing so in Christian love, and those who don't wear a mask can be doing so out of some very selfish reasons. But God's mercy triumphed over judgment with you, with your salvation. And so as we ask that question, does mercy our own selfish desires triumph among us as we deal with the COVID-19 virus? The new man is going to let mercy triumph. It's whether or not that's, we fought against that sinful nature or not. And the most frustrating thing is, who do we trust with this? Our media lies to us. I, I don't care what political agenda you have. They lie to us. And let me give you some proof. When the CDC originally came out with the study that, yeah, it's not as, you don't get COVID off the surfaces as, as, as easily as we thought, the media went against them and they withdrew it. And then a couple months later, then they re-released -re it again. Wouldn't it have been nice to have known you had some freedom there? Our politicians will lie about this. And I don't care what political agenda you have. And oftentimes people say, we've got to follow the science. Now I'm going to tell you, the scientific method actually depends on criticism. And if it is science, there will be a journal or a paper you can quote. But even that person should, well, who wrote it should welcome criticism because the scientific method depends on it. Oh, okay, I've been a, everybody can reproduce my results and see these principles, but somebody else was criticizing, I'd overlook this, so there's an exception, and we can see that. What's often quoted today is science is actually a religion. Do not kid yourself. It's not true science even. So who can we trust? We can trust God. When God in his mercy sees that the COVID virus is, is done serving what he has in mind, uh, God uses sin for our good, then he'll put it in remission. In the meantime, we want to be good stewards and we want to treat each other in love and mercy. The same mercy God has given you so that even if you get COVID and it's nasty to you and you die, you know heaven is yours. And in the meantime, you have that mercy and want to show your love to others. So live in the mercy of God. Embrace the mercy of God and shower others with it. The law of freedom. We're now free, even though we're royalty in God's kingdom, to serve each other 
as brothers and sisters in Christ. To tell our sinful nature, no, you won't be the dictator. You don't get your way. God's mercy gets its way. It's already triumphed in you. You're a believer. You're saved. Heaven is yours. You are God's child. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, you have showered us with your mercy and freed us from the damnation of the law. Let our new person who is connected and nourished by you grow in the fruit of that mercy that we would rather be wrong than give an inch to the dictator of our sinful nature. Let us live in your mercy and shower it on others so that we become outstanding examples of the mercy and freedom you have given to us. Amen.